This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome into episode 15 of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. I'm your host, Andy Dirt Johnson. And boy, do we got a lot to talk about. The first round of the playoffs already come and gone for Portland. We weren't sure this week and recording this episode, are we talking about a tied series, a 3-1 series? Is it still going to be happening? Nope. The Portland Winterhawks swept Prince George out of the first round of the playoffs. What a great atmosphere it was last weekend at the Coliseum. The the 5-2 win in game one where Portland really jumped out in the first period and never looked back from then on out. Uh, five to two win. They take a one Oh series lead. The defense and the goaltending shows up in game two with a two, one win. So they take care of home ice. And then over this uh, past week, they head out to Prince George and win game three in Prince George, two to nothing. And then wrap it up Wednesday night with a two to one win. And that's all she wrote folks. The Portland Winterhawks sweeping Prince George out of the first round of the playoffs, becoming the first team in the Western conference to advance to the second round. And now we sit and wait, who is Portland going to be playing in the second round of the playoffs? I'm going to give you an update on that and how all those series looks and, in just a moment. Before I do, here's what's coming up on this episode. We'll talk with Nick Merrick, the voice of the Hawks. They just got back in town, so we'll, we'll chat with him about what the atmosphere was like up in Prince George, the environment on the bus, how the team is feeling now that they're getting ready for that second round series. So Nick Merrick, the play-by-play man, will join us here in just a moment. And then after Nick, excited for this one, one of the most legendary figures in Winterhawks history, Paul Gostad. We finally chased him down. We've been trying to get him on the podcast all season long, of course, a guy with a great lengthy NHL career, one of the best Hawks, as I mentioned, of all time. Everybody knows that name. Paul Gostad, a local kid, still living in the community and helping youth hockey uh, in this city. Really excited to talk to him. So Paul Gostad coming up in a moment. Uh, Nick Merrick will be first up, though, here on the pod. Before we do that, though, let's take a look at the rest of the Western Conference playoff picture. As I know, Portland's kind of in this limbo now again, like they were at the end of the regular season. We feel like we know who's going to advance to the second round, but none of this is solidified quite as of yet. So the other three first round series in the Western Conference, they are all sitting with the lead for the team that is the higher seed. Vancouver and Everett is the unique one because of the way the schedule has worked out. They've only played three games of that series so far, and Everett actually lost game one at home last Friday. So Everett loses game one. They did bounce back and win game two at home, and then they won up in Vancouver in game three. So they hold a two-to-one series lead. They play tonight. So depending on when you're listening uh, to this, the taping is happening Friday, April 29th. So we're not sure what the outcome of that game is going to be, but that's where that uh, series stands right now. Two-to-one, Everett is up on Vancouver. Everett, of course, finishing with the number one overall record in the Western Conference. The one Portland fans should have their eye on because this is the most likely matchup in the second round, and we'll talk with Nick Merrick in just a moment about this. 
is Kamloops. So that series was Spokane. Again, because of the way the scheduling breaks down, it's kind of tough to, to put these together with building availability, and not every game is going to be played on the same timeline. Uh, Kamloops has just dominated this series, but it's not over yet because they've only played three games so far. They smoked Spokane 9 to nothing in Game 1, 6-2 to two win in Game 2, and then uh, in Game 3, they played again at home. So they had to kind of rework the scheduling of this because of uh, arena issues in Spokane. So all three of those games were in Kamloops, and they won th- uh, Game 3 5-1. to one. So Spokane, it's going to take a miracle comeback in order for them to win the series. More likely than not, they're finally playing in Spokane here tonight and tomorrow, uh, potentially if that game is needed for Game 4 in Game 5. But Kamloops looking like they got a stranglehold. And keep an eye on that game tonight. Kamloops-Spokane, 7 o'clock in Spokane. If Kamloops is to win, that will be the second-round matchup uh, for the Portland Winterhawks. And then the other first-round series in the Western Conference playoffs is uh, Seattle, who was taken on Kelowna. That was the 4-5 matchup, if you remember. Seattle got off to a great start in that series. They won the first two games at home up at the Show War Center there in Kent. 6 nothing, 7-3. Took a 2-0 series lead. They went up to Kelowna. They won game 3, 5-1. And then they were trying to close out the sweep, similar to Portland up in Prince George, but they were unable to close out game 4. End up losing that game 3-2 in overtime. So now they're back in Seattle again tonight, so there's a good chance that all three of those teams are going to advance to the second round of the playoffs. Just keep an eye on that. Again, the taping of this Friday, April 29th. So by the time you listen to it, we might know the entire second round playoff picture. But at least as of now, we're just making educated guesses on assuming Everett's going to win, assuming uh, Kamloops is going to win, and then assuming Seattle is going to win. And you'll get those top four seeds in the Western Conference into the second round of the playoffs. And that's when the fun is going to begin. All right, that's enough for the scenarios. Let's get to the guy who was on the ice and uh, watching all four of those games in person. Portland sweeps Prince George in the opening round of the playoffs over uh, in and they're heading to the second round. The first team in the Western Conference to head to the second round, our buddy Nick Merrick, the play-by-play man. The long bus trip from Prince George is over. How are we feeling, man? 4-0, we got to be feeling pretty good. Uh, let's say that was probably the most uh, energetic and, and excited uh, 16-hour bus ride this team has had all season. <laughs> they, they were thrilled to get the win on uh, on Wednesday, coming back here to the VMC, then arriving midday on Thursday. And uh, now, it's, now it's gearing back up. You know, a nice one day off from a skate, and then it's back to business. And, couple skates coming up this weekend then you're preparing for round two opponents so uh the first round couldn't have gone uh, you know much better for the Winterhawks in terms of uh, securing a series sweep first time they've done so in the playoffs since 2014 uh, and they did so by a defensive style of hockey which I know we'll talk about in a minute but yeah. uh, just a really good showcase of the team being able to gut out those wins and Prince George played them tough so it was a good testament in a physical game and a, and a tight defensive game there was good checking uh that the Winterhawks could prevail in four I mean, on that note, before we get to the way that they played in the four games and kind of what is to come and the hypotheticals of scheduling, how nice is it, do you think? I mean, I know Everett, I mean, they're only in game four of their series. We'll see what happens in Kamloops and Spokane and Seattle. Like, all the other West teams are still playing tonight and potentially tomorrow. How nice is it just to have that extra 24, 48 hours where you're not prepping for a game five tonight? You're just sitting back, you know, resting, getting healthy and, and focusing on the second round. It's absolutely monumental. I mean, you look at it, and of course the coaching staff recognized it right away. They came back, obviously, after a long bus drive. It's nice to get the guys to say, hey, let's get a little flush workout, get the body moving, get the blood flowing again, go back home, get some rest. Like, we're going to focus on hockey here in a day. But, like, you get this rare day in the middle of playoffs where it's like reset your mind, get your body back right. Uh, and you know, then come ready to work when, when the team next hits the ice. So that, that's been key. Uh, and then additionally, too, now you get to play the side where you're looking at the other series, if you're Portland, and you're saying, okay, 
you know, if you're Spokane, force the game five against Kamloops. Okay, if you're Kelowna, force the game six against right. Seattle. And you're, you're just hoping that the, the teams that are trailing in the series could just prolong that series one extra game because this is where it's, you know, it becomes a war of attrition. And your your bodies are going to start feeling it the deeper into the series you get, the more energetic and more intense the, you know, the play is going to start feeling. Uh, feeling. And then you've kind of focused in on the next round, the next round. But you have to take it one round at a time. So the fact that the Winter Hawks already punched their ticket to round two. Now it just becomes a waiting game, of course, with the combination of eh, we don't mind if we wait a little bit longer if your <laughs> series is want to go into game seven. You know, uh, at this point, obviously in the first round, it's not looking that way. But um, who, who knows? Like any anything could happen if a team gets momentum. Like uh, you know, you look at the Seattle Kelowna series. Obviously, the fact that Kelowna was able to squeak out and score three unanswered goals with mm-hmm. an overtime winning goal uh, maybe will give them a little momentum. Now they have to go on the road, though, so not going to be the easiest of Game 5 situations. But there's a perfect situation where if you're Portland, you're looking at it and say, okay, you did your job, you swept the Prince George Cougars, and then, hey, thanks, Kelowna, because at least you're going to play one more game against uh, against Seattle. And th- this is the part where you never know. Like Going into series, there's, there's not much injury reports. You really don't know how the other team's doing. Uh, but you can assume that every time you play an additional game, somebody's going to get a little bit more bruised up, something's going to hurt a little bit more, uh, and then that's only going to help the Winterhawks since they have those extra rest days. No doubt about that. And then even on top of that, we joke about the bus rides. Great to only have to make one 16-hour bus trip to Prince George. There's no game six. Don't have to worry about that. One and done. You come home, the series is over. Now we go to the second round. Let's, before we talk about the play on the ice, highlight the atmosphere. I was in the arena uh, last weekend, game one and game two. I mean, how fun was that for you? How cool was it to see... They come out where they score three goals in the first period of, of game one. I mean, just the building's jumping right out of the gate. What did you make of the atmosphere and, and playoff hockey being back in Portland? Game one set the tone. The fact the Winterhawks were able to come out hot was, was key for them. But uh, also, in hindsight, it ended up chasing uh, Ty Young from the series. He was the young starting goaltender there mm-hmm. for Prince George, who never started a game in the regular season against the Winterhawks. Then all of a sudden, they switched hands, and they went to Tyler Brennan, and uh, I would say probably after that first period of play in game one, it became a goaltender's duel and a defensive duel literally for the uh, next, whatever, 14 periods of hockey that we ended up witnessing. Yeah. Um, it was just marvelous stuff. It was definitely Tyler Brennan's best uh, series and probably best stretch of hockey together. Like he played outstanding from Prince George. So you, you got to tip your cap to him and the effort he did there. I know Taylor Gauthier said the same exact kind of comments after game four uh, when he was able to very briefly reflect on it when he got him from some post-game sound. Um, but, but now it's, you know, ultimately uh, you got to find a way to put the puck in the net. I, I know Prince George kind of changed the defensive scheme a little bit compared to what the Winterhawks saw during the regular season, which is smart because it didn't work for them for four games the way they were playing. So let's try to play a more physical brand of hockey is what the Cougars were thinking. And it worked out, you know, they, they played physical and they kept games close. They, you know, even up in the game four, they had a six on four with just under a minute to go uh, with a net empty to try to tie the game and force overtime. Then anything could happen. Cause now it's the same situation. I just talked about with Kelowna. Right. Who knows if, if, if Prince George could have forced the overtime, could they have won? Maybe they would have had just good of a shot too. And then all of a sudden now they have a little bit of momentum, a little bit of juice come back to Portland and the Winterhawks thinking, okay, now we got to play another game. Then you're kind of playing, you know, in the back of your mind is, you're the one that mentioned, like, oh, we just want to make it one 16-hour bus trip to Prince George. I'm sure those same thoughts would come into the Winterhawks' heads, being like, we got to win tonight. We don't want to go back on the Prince George. But then you're, you know, then you're fighting different motives and different, you know, thoughts in your head rather than just focusing on the ice and, and what you can execute. Um, so then that, that's where playoffs get a little tricky because sometimes you have to like zone those out. Um, playing battle or whether you're playing a Kamloops, uh, it's a series that you know you're going to have to put the puck in the net, and, they, and they've done really well against all those teams during the regular season, but. Again, as we said, different brand of hockey. 
Uh, and you just got to try to find a way to click and, you know, make sure everyone's on the same page and you find those scoring chances to capitalize on. It is a good, good position to be in when you sweep a team and you can go back to the drawing board and say, okay, there's a lot of areas that we can improve, right? Like you won the series 4-0. You're the only team, at least so far, that has swept the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. And you're still saying, okay, we can get better offensively. We can do this or that uh, to try and improve. Let's talk about the goaltending and the main positive of the series. You make the move for Gauthier. We've highlighted it all season, you know, how good he's been in net for Portland, how how impressed with you were you with the way that he played, the way he handled the emotions, and just how dominant he was back in his old barn up there in Prince George? He was terrific. He was outstanding. The defensive core for Portland was outstanding. Like There was almost no mistakes in their game uh, when it came down to any of those four games in a series. I mean, you only allow a team four goals in four games. That's a 1.0 goals against average. That is unbelievable. You're going to win hockey games. Uh, when when you you know when you only allow one goal, uh, but the interesting part is then too. I I saw from uh, Andy Kemper, who's one of the team historians and statisticians, longtime broadcaster with us. Uh, you know, of course, him and I always talk plenty. And and uh, one of the things she helps me out with was some of the notes. And 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 a note that popped up is when the Winterhawks scored two goals during the regular season, they had just one win and six. Uh, times in which they scored wow. two goals. So they were they were one, three, two, and zero. Oh. One win, three regulation losses, two overtime losses, no shootout losses. Wow. In this series, they scored two goals three times, and they won all three of them. So it's just kind of a testament of the Hawks were able to win because of their defensive play, and it really highlights how much improved and how dialed they in that whole unit was. And obviously, Gauthier, 100% outstanding. Um, and and you got to give him credit. But then when I, also when I talk with him and then just kind of seeing what transpires on the ice, he and now myself, very um, you know supportive of the group right in front of him because mm-hmm. you lose a 20-year-old captain in game one, didn't end up playing any of the future games in this series, game two, three, or four. Uh, then the 17-year-old defenseman had to slide into this big role. And they filled that gap. A-OK. They were really good. They, they moved the pucks out. You know, everything was, for the most part, I think except the one goal, was pretty much a one-shot and done. So that's kind of a combination of Gauthier taking care of his uh, rebounds and, and, and hugging on to everything. But then also the few pucks that did come out, they were either getting blocked or they were getting pushed over to the board. So that's where you, you give a round of applause to the young defenseman and the centerman down there for really fighting and boxing out the opposing team. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting because you, you got exactly what you wanted to try to go to And even in hindsight too, you're thinking, Oh boy, this is going to be an interesting storyline because now you get go against his former club. He's going to CN center again. Uh, what, where's, where's his head's going to be? Where's his level's going to be? Uh, is he going to be able to kind of gut through this? And, and he even, he even reflected afterwards that it was kind of hard at times to bear down because you know, I'm going up against my friends. Like right. these are friends for some guys you've been with for five full seasons. And all of a sudden, now I have to shut them out and eliminate them from playoff contention when that's what I was trying to do with this team for five years. So it's such a weird headspace to be in just because of the duration of it. Uh, the fact that he was there since the beginning, drafted first round by Prince George, uh, and really became you know, engulfed with that community and, and, and shared some very heartwarming thoughts on the uh, Prince George broadcast after the game on mm-hmm. Game 4. You could feel the emotions. Like he, he started to tear up and, and talking – on their post game show. And of course, did, you know, what a sportsmanlike thing and what, what a, what a great thing to do is when you just eliminate the team you're with for so long, he went back and had a very quick celebration with the team, 
then sprinted over to make sure he can kind of touch base with the, with the Prince George community because it feels weird for him. He's been there forever, and, you know, he's super thrilled to move on. Not to say that. Like, he always said, like, yeah, I would love to beat him early. Like, let's, you know, let's beat him today. Let's beat him in game four and get the sweep. Uh, but in that same regard, he's coming in with, you know, just a ton of butterflies in his stomach. And, you know, he kind of pushed those aside for at least uh, whatever ended up being uh, 240 minutes of hockey that he played and, you know, got the job done. Only allowing four goals in that time span is really, really remarkable. It really is. And the emotional angle, too, you saw on the other side with the handshake line, the greatest tradition, I would argue, in all of sports, but in hockey specifically, where you shake hands after a series and seeing the emotions from the Hawks players hugging hugging Jonas, great, going through that handshake line. It's that same emotion going both ways. Guys that were in those locker rooms and, and beloved and creating lifelong friendships, and that's always difficult. It's a unfortunate part of the industry and the careers that these guys are going through, but you can see the emotions really at play on both sides you mentioned Nick the offense and only scoring two goals it's funny probably if you asked Prince George before hey you hold Portland to two goals in three games you feel great about your chances Portland still gets a sweep how what is it you know it's so hard to to dissect is it a hot goaltender is it a different style was it you know just missing you know hitting a couple of posts maybe or coming close and just being an inch or two away from maybe scoring more more goals what did you make of the offense not unloading and what are they saying about how we go back to the drawing board and try and rework that i think part of it if, if you're a fan that's tuned into the winter hawks all season long you have to look at what the opposing team does uh, prince george really did well in that first series they they, they put a heavy trap uh, and by trap it means they kind of clog the neutral zone so the second the winter hawks have possession in their own end they're looking to transition this is a fast team it's a skilled team here in portland they want to get the puck move it and get it to those skilled players so they could you know generate some two-on-one rushes or, or get a nice open shot from the wing uh, but when you're having the puck back in your defensive zone, you look up ice for your options. And now in the playoffs, you already have two defensemen back at the other blue line and a centerman coming out to neutralize. That's three opponent sticks. You have to kind of navigate through at center ice. So it, it, you know, it makes things tougher. It closes the ice a little bit more. The Hawks can't play as fluid. They did so a little bit more in game four because Prince George realized by, by playing that heavy trap the entire game from minute one to minute 60, it didn't get the job done because mm-hmm. they didn't have enough offensive chances they could generate. So I think a lot of what uh, your question asked comes back to that is that Prince George's scheme kind of tapered the Winter Hawks, and it was a good test for the Winter Hawks because now they they know a little bit more how to handle that. They they made some good adjustments. Where all of a sudden in Game Four, I want to say they had about four or five odd man rushes. They just missed on on probably two of them that were really good scoring looks. Um, but you know, in hindsight too, at the end of the day, you've got to put the puck in the net. So. Uh, that, that's part of the struggle that the teams, I'm sure, are going to figure out a few more things. And they'll, they'll look at tape with uh, Mike and Don and Brian and, and see what the best strategy will be going into round two. Because at this point right now of us talking, very likely chance that you do play Kamloops Blazers. It's not in stone yet, but I'd probably say at least a 90% chance, if not better, uh, the Winter Hawks are going to be playing the Kamloops Blazers in round two, which is going to be a great series. And you look at their scoring depth, it's also very impressive, just like it was for the Winter Hawks in the regular season. Kamloops is playing Spokane in round one. Spokane a little bit, you know, less of a defensive team than Prince George's, uh, and obviously Kamloops is making them pay because they're putting up goals like crazy mm-hmm. uh, in that first series. So now, now if you're the Hawks, you kind of got to go in knowing, all right, we got to match this intensity. We got to be able to score. We got to be able to, you know, give a little bit of a break to Gochi and our defensive side. Let's make sure we, you know, we could leap early. Uh, and in hindsight, too, in this looking back at the four games of the series, the Hawks scored the first goal in all four games. So that's huge. Yeah. That plays well with a lead. 
they're going to have to do that and jump out early against their second-round opponent. Well, and it goes back full circle to what we were talking about, having that extra time this week, right? You know sports are copycat leagues, so other teams are going to watch that film and see what could Prince George do against Portland that worked, and they're probably going to try and utilize that strategy. So Portland having that extra time this week, not focusing on a Game 5 or a Game 6. Instead, okay, let's work on that in practice. What didn't work? What did work? How can we clear the neutral zone a little freer and give ourselves some more chances? You mentioned it feels like that's going to be the matchup. So let's just lay out the scenarios that's not written down in stone yet feels more than likely that it's going to be Portland and Kamloops in round two with Portland going on the road what are the are there any other scenarios I think they're entertaining in their minds behind the scenes there are they pretty much set that hey this is how it's going to play out this weekend and we know that Kamloops was going to be round two no, that's a really good question. Uh, honestly, it's it's hard. I don't know what the speculation's like exactly. I think the only thing I can tell you now is we aren't going to play uh, the Everett Silver Tips in round two because right. there's no possible matchup where number <laughs> right. one plays number three. So that one's been eliminated. Obviously, you just played Prince George. So now you're down to the other five teams that I think technically all of them will be in play um, as of our, us talking right now. But you start realizing percentage-wise what it looks like, and you could – put a lot of marbles in the baskets of the Winterhawks will play the Blazers in round two because uh, all that needs to happen for that is Everett to win games four and five or two of the next uh, four games against the Vancouver Giants. Mm-hmm. Kamloops is up three games to none in their series as of us talking against Spokane. So if they win one of the remaining four games, that'll obviously help the Winterhawks' chances of playing Kamloops in round two. Um, so hypothetically, you're, you're probably going to be looking at Kamloops Things could change, though, if the team gets a big win here on the weekend and kind of the series. So we'll obviously keep an eye on that. But, uh, but man, I'm just uh, looking forward to seeing the Hawks advance here to round two because now it's it's been four or five years since this has happened because of COVID. So uh, it could end up actually being the first chance the Winterhawks really get to make a playoff run. It's so exciting to think about. And I'm going to hold off. We, we don't need to go too deep on the preview of Kamloops for that series likely to happen. But again, we don't know. So let's not go down that road yet. We'll have another podcast next week where we can, we can dive into the matchup if it does end up being the Blazers. And we can, you know, talk yes. about how they played during the regular season and the matchup and, and, and all that. Let's get to something you highlighted. And I, you know, I know Hawks fans are following it closely. We're not certain on all the details of it, but just health-wise, how do you feel like just from what we know this team is coming out of that? And then is there anything that could change health-wise in the next coming days before that that second-round matchup would likely tee off uh, coming up on fr- uh, a week from today on Friday? Yeah, no, without question. I, I think it'll be okay. I think the Hawks are going to be A-okay. I know okay. everyone's, uh, you know, you look at some things and, and you know, as a fan base, you're probably like, oh, boy, there's a couple, you know, big hits there. Yep, and, yep. Uh, you know, some, it was a physical style of hockey. You know, the Hawks used to that. And, I, you know, I have the confidence in this team moving forward that there will be a tough 23-man roster, I guess 24-25, when you add in your affiliate players in Ravendahl and Zakreski and Johnson uh, still into the mix. So it's going to be a good unit going forward into round two. And, and as we open this, you know, podcast episode with, the fact that they're getting these extra days, too, is only going to, add to that confidence that this team is going to be good going into round two. That's a great feeling knowing that you got a couple of days to get healthy and make sure everybody's ready to go uh, round two. So l- let me throw a hypothetical at you so fans can at least start planning somewhat. I know none of this. We don't know any certainties yet. If it does end up being Kamloops, do we know when games three and four would be if that is the second round matchup? No, I love this. Uh, I, I wish this is something that the fans could be able to, you know, get aware of way earlier. Um, but obviously, you don't want to ever put anything in stone and have you, you know, teams backpedal on words. Right, right. Uh, what I what I what I can say for right now, uh, for plans to get a rough idea, if the Winterhawks and Blazers do meet in round two, obviously the Blazers will be the higher seed as the two seats. They're going to own home ice, where they'll have the chance to host four of the possible seven. 
The Winterhawks would get three home games if necessary, of course. Each team most likely would get two, right? But I guess in the first round, we did see that Spokane was only guaranteed <laughs> one game because of what happened right. with their building. So I hope that's not the scenario. But if you assume everything goes to the normal 2 2 1 1 1 format, two games in Kamloops to start, very likely will be weekend games next weekend. Then you'd have two home games at the VMC, and it'd be some combination of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, most likely scenario would be Tuesday, Wednesday, based on what we've seen from like previous you know, series. But that's just me looking at this Portland Prince George series. How did it go? It went Friday, Saturday, home for the Winterhawks. They traveled to Prince George. They played game three on Tuesday, game four on, on Wednesday. So that's probably the most generic um, uh, series yeah. layout that fans could get used to. But then again, things could change too. You could have like a Monday, Wednesday game. You could have a Tuesday, Wednesday, you could have Tuesday, Thursday. So I think there's different combinations, but uh, it's probably safe to say, I would, I would hope that it's most likely going to be a midweek game uh, for the Winterhawks for those home games. So get ready for some weekday fun if the Hawks do play the Blazers. Now, if they play Seattle or Kelowna and ends up going out where there's the upsets happen where, where that situation arises, then it becomes a little bit different because now the Winterhawks might get home weekend dates because they will be the home ice team which means they get to start the series here in Portland. So those would be a little bit different. Um, I don't even know if the hypotheticals have even gone through at that point, uh, <laughs> right. just based on how, you know, you, you kind of just assume that in round one that all, all the top four seeds are going to move on. And as of us talking, they, they do all have leads in their series. So um, it'd be kind of nice, obviously, if there was an upset, because then that means those, you have another series that goes deep and the Winterhawks yeah. would get some weekend home dates. Um, but right now, Obviously, the odds are looking like Kamloops, so you could probably plan on some midweek games on whatever that time frame is, Andy. May 9th, 10th, 11th, yeah, somewhere in there. That sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think the biggest one to keep an eye on is what happens in Vancouver ever at uh, uh, Game 4 tonight. Yeah. If Vancouver yeah. wins and all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute, we got something here. If Everett wins Game 4, take a 3-1 lead, you know, you wouldn't expect them to blow that, and then we can kind of follow through more with some of these scenarios of a midweek home game and, and Game 3 and Game 4 against Kamloops unlikely a Tuesday and Wednesday that following week. Well, hey, I'm glad you guys made it back. I'm glad the team's feeling healthy. A sweep in the first round. You can't can't ask for anything more than that. And I look forward to next week. We'll dive into whatever the matchup's going to be. We'll get a full-on preview of that second-round series. It's so great to have playoff hockey back. And make sure for fans, keep an eye on all the Winterhawks social media accounts, winterhawks.com, because once those tickets are available, we know the matchups will obviously put that information out there. Uh, but always great catching up. Glad you're back in one piece. It's awesome. And I can't wait for round two, buddy. We'll do it again next week. I can't wait as well. Good plug from there too, Andy. Uh, for any season premier members who are uh, holding a playoff package, by the way, this next home game in the second series is going to be your C ticket, uh, Ooh, your okay. home game C ticket. So at least if they've known, they've already used home A or the, the game one was your A ticket. Game two at home was your B ticket. Next game will be your C ticket. Um, just for any fans that need to you know, be, be reminded of that, that you already have those tickets if you have an 11 game plan. Uh, but yeah, otherwise we're thrilled. Let's, let's get to, to round two. The staff is very excited uh, and they're pumped because we're talking here on, on a Friday before we go into the weekend, thinking that there might've been a game on Saturday. Now it's, it's let's prep for round two because the team did so good. Uh, now you focus on your next opponent. So Bring on the playoff hockey. Let's go, baby. It's a great place to be. Can't wait for round two. Good information for the season ticket holders. And thanks, buddy. We'll talk next week. Excited for this one. One of the biggest names to ever put on a Winterhawks jersey and name that we all know. A guy that we watched for a long time in the NHL. Paul Gostad, born in Fargo, raised in Portland, a junior hawk in an 11 season, uh, 11 seasons in the NHL with Buffalo and Nashville. Paul, th thanks for the time, man. And thanks for hopping on the pod. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm doing, doing well. 
Well, that's good to hear, other man. Than the, other than the Portland weather right now, it's driving yeah. me <laughs> I'm with you on that. It's a little bit tough for us golfers, man. It's hard to get out there uh, huh? with this weather right now and the hail and the snow. I'm looking forward to some sunshine. I, I want to start, man. Take me all the way back. I mean, you're born, uh, you know, not born in Portland, but you moved to Portland at a young age. What was it like yeah. growing up playing hockey in the city of Portland? What was the junior hockey community like? And uh, just kind of t- take me back to, to Paul growing up and, and growing up on the ice in Portland. Yeah, I, I don't really claim North Dakota when people ask me. I'm from, from Portland. Moved here when I was about seven-ish. Uh, and the, the youth hockey community here is it's small, but it's tight-knit and very driven. It was a great culture to be in. I mean, honestly, I'm friends with the guys that I grew up playing with. Uh, I actually just skated this morning with my – we do like a Thursday morning group and a lot of guys that I grew up playing with. And it's a, it's a cool – hockey community here and then to have the Winterhawks here is even just I mean it's, it's it's great to have the Winterhawks here yeah well I mean on that note Paul how much have you seen a change from your time because that's a, such a unique example as somebody who played in the you know junior hawk program to still be around the organization kind of and talking to folks obviously and playing there in Portland but how much have you seen the youth hockey and the junior hockey level change in those you know however many years it's been well, I mean, it's the same rink that uh, my kids play at, that, that I grew up playing at. It's uh, the Winterhawks Stadium Center over by Jesuits, so that hasn't changed too much. But, yeah, I mean, the game, obviously, it evolves and it, and, it, and it changes, and it's one of those things that, like, the play changes, but the community itself has been – it's still a great small community, and the Winterhawks being uh, involved with that and now really running the Youth Hockey Association is a, a big step for – youth hockey here right right uh when did you when did it click for you like how how quickly did you understand like hey this is going to be my career like i got a chance to make it uh, at this sport was it right away did it happen later like when did that light bulb go off for you uh probably after my first nhl game yeah <laughs> I, I honestly like growing up here again it's kind of removed i i don't i didn't grow up in minnesota or boston or in canada where there's that avenue that you can see um, to make it to higher levels. Honestly, my, my goal was to try to get my college paid for. It was really my goal with hockey. Like, I love right. the sport, but I just never saw an avenue for myself to play for the Winterhawks, even. Like, that was too far of a reach for me. Like, you see, growing up watching the Winterhawks play, and they're so good. And it was hard for me to see myself playing there. Yeah. And so it was just one of those things. I just had a great group of friends that I played with, and we pushed each other, and you just try to get to that next level every step. Like, try not to look too far ahead to like the NHL as a youth hockey player, but uh, you just try to okay, I'm going to try to get the juniors. Okay, I'm going to try to get drafted and then signed, and then from the minor leagues to NHL. It's just a step by step process. Yeah, I, I love that. Once you play that first game in the NHL, like, hey, how about that? I made it, and then you end up lasting 11 years. That's not too bad of a not too bad of a career. You, you mentioned your time in Portland. When you think back to your days as a Winterhawk, and obviously it's like it's playoff time. Fans are excited. There's so many great memories over the years for this organization. What are some of the ones that stand out to you when you think back to your time in a Winterhawk jersey? Well, I mean, that first playoffs. Uh, my, my rookie year, we didn't make the playoffs that year. Um, we had the youngest team in the CHL at that time, but we knew we were going to be good. We had a lot of young guys. It was that first that first round against Prince George, who we're playing tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first taste of playoff hockey, and it just, I don't know, something clicked with me with with playoffs and the intensity and and the play of it and the swings emotionally that guys kind of go through. And I don't know if it was the way I was raised. I wasn't that 
I didn't get too emotional, like the ups and downs. So it really kind of like primed me for playoffs. And I, I really broke out that year. I think I ended up in that playoff run that we went to the, the, the Western, we played Red Deer. So that was, we were playing in the WHL championship. Yeah. Um, I think I scored as many goals in playoffs as I did in the regular season that year. Um, so it was really, it was just so much fun. It was the intensity of it, uh, kind of shaking off bad games quickly and shaking off good games quickly because it's just one game and you got to move on to the next one. Well, I mean, and on that note, Paul, you had mentioned you're going to be around the team a little bit and as they get ready for their series and working with some of their guys. Is is that kind of the message you're giving to this year's Hawks, to some of the younger players? Is it just, you know, the mentality of it game by game? What what else are you going to try and tell them to get them ready for that big series? Well, I think Mike has got them dialed in and their coaching staff, their experience. They know what to tell them. Uh, not much that I'm going to say that they, that they won't. They've been there. They've done that. Uh, it is a shift at a time. You can't mm-hmm. take anything for granted. Um, little details. It's all about the details in playoffs. And, and honestly, it's a world of attrition. Like you just keep doing that shift after shift, game after game. And you're going to have bad games. You're going to have good games and moving past them really quickly. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you lose two to one or seven, nothing. It's a loss. Move on. And right. so that's the thing is you, you have to move on. But the coaching staff, I'm, they've got them dialed. They'll, they'll be ready. Yeah, Mike, his pedigree speaks for itself and all the playoff runs that they've been on, you know, for all the years. How closely, you know, do you still follow and, and stay in touch with them? Is it a pretty regular thing? Do they just pop in? Do you just pop in randomly? Like, what, what's, that, what's that communication and relationship like for you these days? Yeah, I've known him for, for a while and helped out over the years since I retired with the Winterhawks. So it's one of those things that uh, they need some help with face-offs or a player struggling or just coming in and, and helping out and being around the guys is, is something that, I'm around. I'm involved with the youth association here. So we, we stay in touch. And again, it's a small community. So yeah, uh, yeah it's always, it's always fun to be uh, helping out with the winter Hawks and yeah, it's, it's a, I enjoy being around the game. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned, you know, still being involved with the youth community and the junior Hawks and all that. Are, are there ways that you think that we could do and do more in this community to grow hockey? Is it just kind of capped with the interest level and, and because of the city that we live in? I mean, you're so unique of living here and, and growing up here and playing here. Is there, is there more that you would like to, be, you know, see be done to, to try and grow hockey at the youth level? Well, yeah, I mean, yes, I, I was, uh, heavily involved with it uh, pre-COVID kind of COVID when the Winterhawks took over and helping them out with it. But we're, hockey as a youth sport has grown a ton across the country. I think at like a, a double digit percent click. And in Portland, we, when I was helping out running it, we, we didn't have enough ice. We had too many players. We had to actually turn away players. Oh, wow. It's grown so much in Portland that really, I mean, facilities are, is one of the biggest issues that we have and, and getting a new youth hockey rink in town would help tremendously. Um, having Seattle up in Seattle doing such a good job with the youth hockey there and being involved. Hopefully, uh, again, we, we need new facilities. Like the one that we skate at right now is old. It's, it's from the 60s and I grew up there. So having another sheet would help out tremendously. Hmm. That's good to know. That's a good thing to push for. I, it's great to hear that that many kids are interested in the sport and wanting to come out and play. It sucks to have to turn them away. Um, you know, it, it, when, when they want to try and have that opportunity to learn the game and, and grow in the game. I got to ask you this, man. I've always been curious to ask you, and I, it might be a dumb question and you might laugh at it. I mean, in your 11 year career, who was the toughest guy you ever went up against in the NHL? 
like toughest as in like fighting toughness. Just, yeah, or just the, the, like the most intimidating, the toughest. Like when you when you line up against him, you just thought, oh god, this guy's this guy's tough. Well, I mean, I, I heard this debate with some of the guys. They were talking about a, a podcast, and they were saying, who's the toughest guy in the NHL right now? And, and on this uh, thread or whatever, and they're throwing out these names. Uh-huh. I mean, hands down, I think maybe one of the toughest, most intimidating guys physically in the NHL has got to be Chara. Yeah. Like, there's no getting around that guy. He is uh, obviously his height, but his strength. Uh, he's a he's a big, scary man. He's seven foot on skates, <laughs> and he's, he's all muscle. <laughs> um, so he's one of those guys that is just, I mean, he's had an amazing career. I, I believe he played at Prince George as well, but yeah, he's he's a tough one to play against, and obviously there's tough players to match up against. I mean, Taves, Crosby, Bergeron, those guys are so tough to play against, and they're tough in a sense. But Chara's just yeah, he's pretty pretty special with uh, his physical ability. And yeah, when you're that big, you're kind of an outlier. And he's an outlier on the ice even too. In a league of, in a league of giants, he, he stands above everybody yeah. else, it feels like. As you mentioned, seven feet on skates. Yeah. Well, Paul Goss said 11-year NHL career, a, a legendary winter hawk. And, uh, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for the time for hopping on the podcast. I know you're busy, so we appreciate it. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch this playoff run. And, and thanks for taking a few minutes for us and updating, you, updating us on what you're up to, man. We appreciate it. Time. Thanks, guys. All right, there you have it, Hawks fans. Thanks again to Nick Merrick and Paul Gostad for hopping on the podcast this week. Round one in the books. Portland sweeps Prince George. We're going to round two, baby. Cannot wait. Now we just wait and see. What's the second round matchup going to be? Keep an eye on that Vancouver and Everett game. That's a big one tonight. Game four, Vancouver leading that, or excuse me, Everett leading that series uh, two games to one. And then obviously it feels like Kamloops is going to be that second round matchup, but not certain yet. So next week, episode 16, we'll have a full-on preview. Whoever that matchup is going to be, we'll talk to a player about how they're feeling. Get a breakdown on what Kamloops or whoever the, the opponent is going to be, what they're bringing to the ice and what that matchup has been like against Portland throughout the course of the season. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to the Portland Winterhawks podcast. Until next time, go Hawks. He came from his office, said, son, can I help you? Looked at him and said, yes, you can. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.